Hello and welcome to the latest Firefish podcast. Today, Wendy is joined by Helen Haddon and Trisha Roberts to discuss what is a very hot topic in recruitment at the moment, GDPR. And who better to talk around this subject than Helen, who earlier this year founded Comply GDPR, a service completely dedicated to helping recruiters prepare for the changes to data protection regs, and Trisha, who is membership director of Team, the UK's largest network of independent recruiters run by recruiters. This is a really interesting and informative chat around the topic, and it includes some great takeaways for SME recruiters to get the GDPR ball rolling. So let's get right into it. Here's Wendy speaking with Helen and Trisha. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to our latest Firefish podcast. And this time we're going to tackle one of the hottest topics, a GDPR for the SMA Recruitment Agency. I'm absolutely delighted that I've got Helen Haddon here and Trisha Roberts. Now, Helen is from a fantastic background. Hello, Helen. Thank you for coming in. Now, I have met you and I thoroughly enjoyed uh, meeting last time you came up to the aquarium and I got really excited when I met you. Um, <laughs> It's not often I get excited about GDPR policies or data protection policies, but <laughs> when I found out that you were from a background in IT and then you had 20 mm -hmm. year track record of working in the operational sides of recruitment businesses from some of the biggest yeah. names, Egan and Odgers and all their brands, I thought this is the person to help the recruitment sector. And I think you have been exceptionally busy so far. How, how's it all been going? Yeah, it has been busy and it is getting busier by the day. Um, I think people are beginning to really wake up to this now. So um, we're certainly seeing a, a huge increase in inquiries and interest in this. So, but it's good when there's still time, which is the, which is the good news as well. Yeah, because we've got up to May uh, next year that um, everybody has to be sort of, you know, ticking those boxes <laughs> and making sure that everybody knows what they're doing. And, and I think I've definitely seen a difference, even in, I think it was just last month that we hooked up. You know, at that point, I think everyone was still asking the questions, what is GDPR? But now we're getting mm. stage of what do we do about it? Exactly. And that's what everybody wants to know, is getting some clarity around exactly what do we need to do? Yeah. So on yeah. that, tell me what you're doing now. So you left recruitment and you are now, you know, setting up for focusing 100% on this. So just give me a wee bit of an introduction in your current company and how that fits in today's chat. So um, essentially, I've been working on consultancy for recruitment businesses um, over the last three years. And then when the GDPR came up, I thought, let's have a look at this. And I started thinking about it and looking at all the different things that needed to be done. And I realized it was going to be a huge amount of work for everybody in, in a recruitment business. And essentially, everybody was kind of be doing the same things they're going to be going to the lawyers trying to work out the same solutions for themselves so i thought perhaps there's a way we can shortcut work for people and also make it more effective and efficient and cost effective for people to do this because a lot of small businesses don't have um, people sitting around waiting to do a big project like the gdpr so i worked with a um, one of the leading law firms cameron now called cms law to create a toolkit which any recruitment business could help to, to help them prepare really effectively for the GDPR. So it's um, it's taking up about 150% of my time. <laughs> but, you know, it's great fun. And it's, it's really good to see people starting off being really worried about it, not understanding what to do and actually kind of like the fear factor mm -hmm. to then kind of getting it and saying, OK, I, mean, I actually talked to a client last week. I said, how are you feeling? She said, I feel actually quite relaxed about it now. And I'm like, yay, that's, you know, that's great. So, you know, there, there is a way of doing it. That's, that's what I'm doing. I have a team of people around me, people I've worked with before. I'm um, all from the recruitment sector, and um, that's what we do. 
we do the GDPR for recruitment. And, and, and I think that's fantastic. And the fact that the background you've come from and what you're actually doing and your motivations just to say, let's get this industry through it. So anybody that helps the industry go forward, I'm in great awe of. And I think it's fantastic the way you've approached it. So thank you for being there and taking on this challenge. <laughs> yes, the challenge. Oh. But with a practical sense, not just a fear mongering, because there's a lot of rubbish that's going around there just now with lots of fear mongering and what you've got to do and not got to do and people putting prices for this and prices for that. So I think it's just a really good approach that you're taking. And that's what we like. So that's great. Great. And that's actually why we're here, because this is why I wanted to bring Trisha in. Hello, Trisha. Hi. Hi, Helen. Hi, Wendy. Hi. Hi. So Trisha is a background of, she she represents the team network. And this is something that uh, personally I'm very uh, proud to have been part of and a great supporter of. For those that don't know team, but most of you will be members of team that are listening, that this is the UK largest network of independent recruiters run by recruiters and they help one another grow by sharing split fee opportunities nationally and internationally. Um, I always say when everybody tries to describe team, it's um, the one conference I've been to where all the recruiters in a room are nice to one another <laughs> um, and I think that just sums up that, that industry there's no competitiveness there it's just like they want to help one another up and they see the ability to share and help one another they've got over 500 members now or what's the latest count do you know roughly Tricia over 700 locations oh across the country now. Oh, that's amazing. It's grown so quickly. That's brilliant. And I'm also proud to say that you are, I'm very uh, delighted to have you. You've got 30 years in recruitment, so you top both of us. Yeah, but don't, <laughs> don't say that too loudly. <laughs> brilliant. You started very young, very, very young. I did, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And, and essentially, your role right now is that you're the membership director and you're looking at new members and you you're ensuring your com- current members and service providers are all maximizing their membership. So I know from even just meeting you back at the Expo um, last week, you know, you're getting hit with loads of questions from your members and new members about what do we do about GDPR? Is that not the case? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And and because of that, and hi, Helen, I, you know, I'm delighted to have that opportunity, obviously, to talk to Helen and, and to sure. try and get some answers, really, for, for our members. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'll try my best. <laughs> so with Without further ado, let's hit Helen with those questions. Are you ready, Helen? Okay. Um, I think probably one of the main ones at the moment is that most of our most of the members have got databases that, that stretch back over many years. Um, mm. And I think they're all panicking at the moment about whether that means that they've got to, you know, to delete old records that, that are already there. What should you do about that? <laughs> okay. So um, obviously this is a really big question for, for all recruiters. And it's it's a little bit difficult to give a really hard and fast answer on it because it's a little bit like asking me what kind of what, what size shoes should you should you get? And it's really what you need to do is understand your data. And the GDPR basically requires you to look at where you got your data from and they ask you to look at what's what's called your legal basis of processing that kind of like what, what's the reason you've got that. And obviously, if you've got a database where people know that they're on your database, you've got a relationship with them, perhaps you've taken consent in the past or you've, you've, you've got a, you know, a, 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 what's called a legal basis of processing that, then you need to look at it and say, well, actually, we think we can keep this data 
or we can't keep that data. So you really need to understand where you got your data from, how old it is, how accurate it is, and then you need to take a view on that. But you need to start off actually by doing something around a retention policy because you need to think about what you should be doing and putting that in a policy document and then going back and living by that in the past. And I think does that, does that make sense in terms of each company needs to, to do that for their own data? And what, what I'm finding yeah. is that, that companies have got you know, different types of situations, they work in different sectors, et cetera, and there's different reasons. So there isn't one hard and fast rule for, for the industry, but it's about understanding what's going to be right for you and documenting that and then doing something about it. And I think one of the things that the ICO, who are the regulators have said, is that, you know, that they're not expecting this is not an excuse, by the way. Um, they're not expecting everybody to have absolutely everything done by the 25th of May. Okay, so you might want well, to start. That's a comfort then, isn't it? Yeah. So, so you want to, you know, you want to be looking at, you know, if you've got really, really old data, then perhaps you need to be thinking about, you know, perhaps we should get rid of that first. Yeah. But if the more recent stuff, start working through that. So I think perhaps also database providers can help you look at the age of your data. Mm -hmm. um, when's the last time you contacted people, etc. So there's a number of different ways. And we, we work with um, our clients to help them understand that as well and give them some kind of criteria to, to look at how they can um, deal with their data. So you don't need to delete it all. Definitely not. But you do need to have a look at what you're holding. And one of the things the ICO is quite hot on is people not having inaccurate data and using that to consider whether people are not are correct for, for roles okay so having accurate data for current roles is, is really important which which makes total sense there because let's face it and this is where we just come back for the common sense to recruitment you know if you've still got okay my sector is in technology but if you've still got a candidate on there that was graduated five years ago looking for a graduate mm -hmm. IT job then that's mm -hmm. not accurate data <laughs> for trying to get no. them a five-year you know development job and let's face it why would you want that data in the first place because exactly. you're wasting time looking at that candidate for a role that he or she is not relevant for so exactly you know when we put it in context you know, this is a this is a positive way to actually get more value out your data here anyway. Definitely, definitely. Because it brings it up to date, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, and, and it's a really good opportunity as well for people to try and get their data up to date, which I think recruiters generally haven't been that great at proactively trying to do something about their data. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's an opportunity as well. Yeah, good. If a candidate requested that they wanted the agency to remove their information from that database, I mean, what information um, can the agency keep okay um, again this is a slightly complicated question because it depends on what basis you're holding that information so generally um, you would be either using um, the legitimate in legitimate interest which is when you don't have somebody's consent to hold their data or you'd be holding it under consent and people's rights are linked to the basis you're holding the data so for example under consent people have stronger rights than they do under legitimate interest. So say, for example, I can't, it's quite a complicated one, but if you're holding it under consent and somebody says, I want you to remove all of my data, you have to re remove all of their data. If you're holding it under legitimate interest, you might have a genuine business reason why you need to keep some of that data on them. So that might be some, you know, some records about work you've been doing, et cetera. So, it just depends on the basis and it all comes back to this document I talked at the beginning about what's the kind of legal basis, what's the demonstration and that you can show 
why you're holding those records and you need to be able to define that. So a really important piece is having this data policy yeah. at, yeah. at the very beginning. Yeah, because I can see that there's going to be some confusion isn't because, because obviously various bits of legislation, whether it's disability, disability discrimination or yes. race relations, national minimum wage, there's all different reasons as to why people need to keep records. And I think that's confusing as well, isn't it? Okay. Members? Okay. Yes. So to, just to answer, so, so exactly on that, there might be a contractual necessity. Okay. So say, for example, one of your staff says to you, I don't want you to have any of my records. I don't have, it, it's ridiculous because obviously you've got to have those records to be able to pay them. You have to have records for, for tax purposes, etc. So if this is statutory reason why you have to keep the information, then you can use that statutory information to hold that information. But you may not have to hold all of the information about that person. So if somebody said, for example, you'd placed them in, in a role and you'd been paying them through a contract and they didn't want you to have their CV anymore, obviously you'd need to keep the records, the fact that you paid them, but perhaps you wouldn't keep their CV any longer. Yes, yeah? so you'd right. have a look yeah. at what, what's called minimising their record. So you'd only keep what is relevant for the statutory purposes, but you'd actually remove everything else that, that's to do with, with them, which they don't need to hold. But you'd have to keep what you have to under statutory um, regulations. So to put that into a little bit of context for recruitment, how sort of, you know, we're understanding that if you think about it, request to remove, if we go back to what Helen was saying, you know, they've given the consent, you've never placed them before, you've never put them forward to a job, then, you know, they have the right to remove the fact that their personal details, their CVs on the system. But there is yeah. the fact that you do need as a recruitment business to be able to hold the fact that you have actually removed their data. So that mills, that will still mean that you've maybe got a name, you've got an email yes. address and you've got yeah. a LinkedIn address, but you've got an action yes. there saying they've been requested to remove. And so therefore you can't contact them. Correct. Because if you yeah. just yes. deleted it, you've got no way and your recruiter could come in, put them back on and not know that actually this person has been, you know, they, they, they said no. <laughs> so don't try. Yeah. <laughs> So it's kind of unsubscribing, really, isn't it? Like like people do yeah. on a on a on a newsletter or something. Yeah, I think I think the right to be forgotten is, is sometimes people think of it incorrectly as a, as a right to never be remembered or never mm -hmm. to be found again. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, if somebody which which it isn't, it's only the right to have everything removed from the past. But obviously, if somebody said to you, "I don't want you to contact me again," mm -hmm. then you don't want to be contacting them. All right. Mm -hmm. So I think you know what he's saying is absolutely right. It's it's you you are entitled to hold very very minimal information on them to make sure that you don't keep on recontacting them. That's just enough so you, you you can know not to contact them and if we were then to take that a little bit further forward and i, I i'd be interested in the answer myself helen on this one as well because <laughs> essentially it's not sort of jumping to the next extreme i totally get that look if you've paid them you've placed them in a contract job you've got to have their details because you actually paid them and you come into the different sort of legislation there to keep hold of their records but the in-between part you know actually mm. to be able to do your business as a recruitment agency can you still record the fact that you put them out to a particular client they gave them the permission at that stage to put their information out to a third party can you still record the fact that you did that well I think you'd have to answer the question is why would you need to have that why, why is that relevant? Because you, you'd need to sort of be able to demonstrate what your legitimate purpose is for that, your legitimate interest. Because, because basically, legit, legitimate interest is around um, what's called a balancing act, so that your rights don't override their rights. Mm -hmm. um, so you'd have to sort of be able to prove that actually this is not 
over this is not kind of enforcing something that you want on them mm-hmm. for, which is of a benefit to them so i think you'd, you'd have to look at is this really really necessary do i have really genuinely have a business reason for keeping this when they've actually asked for it to be removed so you, know, you might want to do something around um minimization or if you've got some statistics perhaps you'd even just strip out everything about it and you just have something about the type of person it was rather than exactly who they were for example the type of role or that they were holding etc so again you'd need to examine what your reason was for that and how they would and i think then as you said all falls back to we're sort of naming that as a gdpr candidate agreement so that people understand that's what they've got to do it comes back to your rules and guidelines of how you're using that data and how that candidate is allowing you to use that data and when they do a request to forgotten or a forget a request to remove they understand what information you are removing and what you know what information you're keeping yeah exactly absolutely lots of training for your staff then to make sure that they understand the legislation absolutely training is really really critical and it's interesting that whenever there's a a, currently a a breach investigation with the data protection um, agencies at the moment they always ask for evidence of training um, to see how you've trained your people because that shows how seriously you're taking it because you can have all the best policies and processes in the world but if nobody actually understands what to do about it obviously you know they're worthless so it's a training is really important and i th- i think having those you know, having everything documented to help people is going to be really useful i'm I'm glad you said that trisha because actually i find it very interesting although i'm coming from you know how can we help all our customers meet all the criteria in the best way actually you know a lot of this is going to be cultural yes you know that's the easy part getting a good product a good vendor that will help you tick the boxes and get get there but it's as just helen said there is how do you bring those in you know what internal policies are you actually changing how you everybody that you bring in as a new recruitment recruiter have you sat them down have you looked at your induction program is this something that you touch on in your induction program because that's the bit that's got to change absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. from day one mm-hmm. so. definitely I, I think one of the key areas that um, members are, are worried about as well at the moment is how they stand when they're when they're um, taking candidates from job boards and linkedin etc so um, yeah. you know have they got permission to do that do they have to go back to the candidate first okay so um so let's just deal with um there's a couple of issues there so first of all you you need to understand the, the terms of the the job board or for example with linkedin um i actually think if you look very closely at linkedin's um user agreement it's actually not allowed to take people's profile and put them into your database if you look at that very very closely yep. so there's that's not that's not a gdp issue gdpr issue that's a linkedin issue um in terms of your contract with linkedin and job boards again the same you'd need to understand and this is part of the sort of due diligence you do with the gdpr to understand where you're getting your data from and what rights you have to take that data so that's one issue but the other thing is um once you actually put somebody's data on your database you actually become a contr- the controller of that data so that basically means you become responsible for it no matter how you came across it so the whole thing around the gdpr is around transparency so people are entitled obviously to have rights over their own data and to exercise certain rights so obviously if you're holding somebody's data and they don't know that you have it they can't exercise their rights okay so that's the, that's the principle of it and there's this thing called the 30-day rule which is a little bit tricky sometimes because um, 
you really technically ought to be telling people within 30 days that you have begun to process their data, process their data so that they can object to that, all right? right, if they don't want to have it done. So there's a couple of issues there. Sometimes it may not be, it may not be possible. So for example, if you went to a job board and you took you know a whole load of people and a lot of those people weren't, weren't eventually relevant, perhaps you should think about getting rid of that data or you might want to keep it for a bit longer for, you know, for another purpose. You ought to be thinking about should you be contacting those people that, that you are processing their data and, and letting them know that you, you're actually controlling that. But I think from a, from a business risk aspect, you need to think about, you know, what is the risk? What's the level of data that you're holding? Um, because obviously there's different, we talk about different types of types of risks um, in terms of low level of data, which is probably just publicly sourced information, just sort of higher risk, which is things around passports and um, bank, bank details, so things that would really compromise people security basically so the 30-day rule is the one technically you really need to think about is you become the controller of that you become responsible for it technically technically you should be letting people know that they're on your database right and presumably the job boards themselves will obviously be asking permission in the first place when the candidates are uploading cvs onto their board so some of that surely is is probably taken care of at that end well, it, it needs to be transparent. So at the point that somebody's um, uploading the data, it should be the job board should be making it transparent to them what is happening. But the problem, I think, for job boards is that transparency needs to be specific. So you can't just say something like, you know, any any recruiter in the world can download your data from our database because that's not specific. All right. So, it, it, so they would have to... Um, put something around that. So I think that's still working progress in terms of what's happening with, with, with job boards. And it'll be interesting to see whether they put something in that when people's data is taken from a job board, perhaps there's a notification that goes back to the person or, you know, we'll see what happens in terms of what happens with the industry. So I think a lot of people are still thinking about how this is actually going to work. Yeah, definitely. In, in team, our, our members share candidates through the team exchange portal. And we're wondering actually how what we need to do um, in, in terms of that and whether there is going to be anything additional that, that we need to think about when members are sharing candidates with each other now. Okay, you need to explain a little bit more about the team exchange portal because I think the key, the key thing again is is transparency. Who who's actually controlling that data? Who's who's sort of responsible for it? How what do the people know? So when they're actually giving that information, do they know what's happening to it? Initially, all the person would know at the time, uh, the member would, when they would upload uh, the details of the candidate, would be um, uh, details about the candidate, but not their contact information at that stage. They would only actually pass on the contact information if at a point when they've agreed to, to work with the other member, uh, whether the member has a role for them um, or whether, in fact, the candidate, the, the, the um, member or the other member had a, a role in the first place. And obviously, were, candidates were being passed across. To them. The, the existing agency, the candidate agency, normally would keep control of that candidate, but not always. Sometimes they, at the moment, they do pass it over in its entirety. So mm. we just wondered mm. how, how, how this would affect them. 
sounds like there's a few issues there that would need to be looked at in a bit yeah. more in a bit more detail. Yeah, to help out there, it's um very similar. It's like if effectively, uh, as I've sort of seen it, you know, one team member has to maybe change some of the behaviour in that they are just as they shouldn't maybe send a CV out to a client, which is a format of CV. It's all the personal data without that candidate's permission. Um, would that mm -hmm. be in the same way? Because essentially, it is going to a third party. So you know, looking at well, if you're passing that candidate detail, you'd need to have the candidate's consent to pass that candidate over to another agency to represent them, and they need to be happy that that's happening. W would that be one way of starting to unpick that sort of issue? Do you think? Yeah, well, definitely. It, it, you know, it's it's this whole thing about transparency, isn't it? So that yeah. people know exactly what's happening to their data. And that if you, if you keep on going back to that, do people understand what's happening to their data? Then the kind of the answers fall out quite easily in terms of transparency. Can people exercise their rights? You know, so if if you've got a pool of data, uh, and, and again, it depends what level of data and what are the risks to people. Because if you've kind of not got names attached to that, then actually, is it is it possible even to identify those people? Mm -hmm. In which case, is is it even personal data? Yeah. So I think that's True. those things I'll be thinking about. They they would they would obviously hand over the the actual um, name of the candidate you know at the point when when um, the the CV is being sent to the client yeah, yeah exactly I think, I think Trisha how I've understood it as well as I always whenever I get one of these sort of harder debates because obviously we're talking about it every single day to just now I I always think right well if I was this candidate you know how would I feel if my candidate information was going to somebody I didn't know, well, is that level yeah. of information okay? Or would actually I have a problem? Now, if you think about it, it's like, well, if I look at this with clients, well, I didn't ask that agency to send my detail over to that client because actually I know somebody in there and I never want to go there. I would have a problem with that. Yeah. And yeah. that might be the same as that third party. So, you know, mm. going back to looking at that, not you know, that doesn't really matter if that was a format of CV with a reference number or my name. Actually, they would be able to, a good recruiter is going to be able to join the dots and, and work yeah. out that, who that is. So yeah. I might have a problem with that. Yeah, exactly. So I think you've got two issues there. You've got one, which is the kind of the GDPR issue in terms of transparency. Then you've just got the kind of just politeness issue haven't you in terms of you know is it is it actually acceptable just to be using this information without asking somebody about you know is this something you want do you actually want to be put forward to this business so there's i think there's two issues there but i've been interested to talk to you more about the portal that sounds really interesting yeah. okay yeah. perhaps we'll, we'll we'll do that offline because that sounds like a good idea yeah yeah, yeah sure okay um, Obviously, when when employment agency um, sells their business, there's a lot of mm. value placed on the, on the goodwill of that business's client and candidate database. Sure, um, sure. Would the business require the consent of all those parties before that information could be sold to a third party? <laughs> That's a really interesting question. Um, I think again, it's a little bit like the first question when you asked me about do we have to delete all of our data? Yeah. Um, because really, it would depend on on what those people understand about what's going to happen to their data. Can you actually sell that to somebody else? Um, so perhaps that's something you need to be thinking about when you're when you're setting up your database and, and your relationship with your candidates around your transparency. I think the answer is that there is that depends on you know what, what the relationship between your you and your candidate database is and what the actual contract between you and the the, the buyer of the business is going to be. 
does that does that make sense it's a kind of very yeah. poorly answer but it, it it would depend on a number of commercial and and legal factors really yeah, yeah definitely um, um i think that it's something that people are going to have to give some considerable mm. thought to going forward absolutely yeah absolutely it's a great question trisha that one because everybody it is you know everyone starts business with um you know thinking about okay well you know five-year plan 10-year plan you know let's hope one day <laughs> yeah um, and, and yeah. i think what what i understand is that maybe you know where we've thought is that the data is 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 an asset is is it really an asset now or can it be an asset if you are getting the, it's all up front and you've got that sort of written into your rule guides mm. in terms of then somebody else is swapping over to take the responsibility of trying to find that candidate a job you know and I think that's the way yeah. to maybe look at it yeah, yeah I, I think I you're yeah. probably right yeah I think the really interesting thing is that recruiters tend to think of their database as their database it's their asset mm -hmm. but the whole the GDPR is around actually this is this is something you're looking after you're looking after people's data mm -hmm. it doesn't actually belong to you yeah so it, a different kind of mindset in terms of value and risk so you'd like to think that you'd be able to encourage your candidates to stay with whoever's going to buy your business but they've got the ultimate right to say i don't want to be involved in that business mm -hmm. so um definitely worth having a look at that one thinking about how to frame it yeah excellent so if, um, just thinking again about, about that um, ownership of the database, I mean, obviously r recruiters leave their agency, they, they go and set up another agency, um, and in some instances, you know, it's not unheard of, is it, to, to, to hear that somebody's actually pinched the database from from their existing um, agency. Mm -hmm. So uh, how, how does that, um, the owner of that agency stand with that? I mean, who, who's liable in that situation? Okay, well, well, first of all, I think that's, that would be a criminal offence, I think, and that would actually be you know, a criminal issue there in terms of, of stealing some, some data. But also under the GDPR, that would be that would constitute a data breach because the data is going um, from one business to somewhere else who basically do, doesn't have a legal basis of, um, of, of holding that data. So... Um, what the employer, in terms of your question about liability, who's liable for that, then the employer ought to have um, things in place to make sure that that data can't be stolen. And that's one of the things that we encourage people to do is to have a look at how to make their system secure, how to make sure that data can't be stolen, because it's whether it's one of your employees or whether it's somebody outside your business, you want to try and protect the the individual whose data is on the database. So um, you would have to report that actually to, to the ICO, I would have thought, because the data's been taken from you and those individuals' data has been breached. So it would be um, quite a, a significant issue on a number of levels, yeah. So I think, I mean, that, that has been absolutely amazing answers there, Helen. And I know that, that Tricia, you'll be feeling that you've got load, loads of answers for everybody. Um, to, to get preparing right now, what, what what can agencies sort of do in terms of, right, I, I've listened to this, I now am focused on GDPR, um, you know, yeah. what should I do now? Okay, so 
what I can do to help that is that we have a sort of a GDPR readiness checklist, which we're really happy. It's, it's, it's created for recruiters for everyone. It's free for people to to try. That's that's online. So I think oh, we can just send out the link for that, and that will help you look at all the different areas of your business and look at the sort of questions you should be asking, sort of areas where you should be having policies and processes. And if you find yourself saying no to a lot of those questions, a lot of people do, mm-hmm. then you know how much work you need to be kind of doing um, to prepare for the GDPR. But, you know, you've still got time, yes. but the sooner you start, the better. Yeah. Well, that that would be amazing. I think that would be really helpful, wouldn't it, Tricia? Definitely. Um, yeah, and I'm yes, just thinking, you, you, have a, you have a LinkedIn group. Do you want to tell we the do. members on that? Yeah, we, we, um, we created a, um, a GDPR um, in recruitment uh, LinkedIn group, which is an open group. Uh, anybody linked with the recruitment industry can, can join that group if they... If if they apply to join and obviously they'll be accepted and, and we're really trying to pull information from all parties uh, mm-hmm. and all questions um, some of the lead team legal panel are in that group as well to answer that the questions and hopefully Helen's going to join after today I as will well. I will do it straight away yeah and I think that'd be we good. Can, we'll good. get that link to your um, GDPR readiness audit because I think that'll be mm-hmm. fantastic in there as well and, and obviously if anybody else wants to get that you know feel free to get in contact with Firefish you know how to get us uh, by now all on all the lines just put in Firefish online and you'll get us through all the different channels Helen if somebody wants to get in contact with you what's the best way of getting in contact with you um, through our website um, www.complygdpr.com nice and easy um, and we'll get back to you Superb. And if anybody else is also interested in um, what more they can be getting out of team or if anybody's listening to this that hasn't decided to uh, join up with team as well. Trisha, do you want to get a little bit in terms of how they would get a hold of you? Again, um, we uh, by our website, it's probably the easiest thing for everybody, uh, www.jobsatteam.com. Excellent. Ladies, thank you so much. That has been hugely valuable and I really appreciate your time and effort in thinking of all those questions, Tricia and Helen, for your fantastic <laughs> answers. Thank you for giving me the <laughs> opportunity. Oh, nice to talk to you, Helen. Okay, thank you. Excellent. Thank you all. And um, if you like what we're doing as normal, um, just please go and uh, click the thumbs up or give us some votes and likes on the iTunes channel. That will keep us doing these helpful, uh, well, hopefully helpful podcasts. We've also got some crowdcasts on our YouTube channel that tackle lots of different topics as well. Um, So, yeah, just keep liking it. We'll keep then producing the content that hopefully then helps you grow and scale your recruitment team. Thanks all for listening. And I look forward to touching bases the next one.